Hello and welcome to Study, Apply, Thrive. I am Vita Cash, your host. We call this podcast Study, Apply, Thrive because we know that when we study and apply the Word of God to our lives, we're able to thrive in every area of life. So grab your pen, your journal, your tea, your Bible, and let's get ready to dive into the Word of God. Today's podcast is actually a recording from me teaching at Flow Church. The title of this message is Meditate or Meditation, and it's going to give you great insight on why you should meditate on the Word day and night. Hello, welcome to Flow Church. We are so excited <laughs> to have you here today. Flow Church stands for well, doesn't stand for, well, yeah, it does. <laughs> Low church means to follow Christ, love others, and work on themselves. And it is such a privilege and an honor for Pastor Russell and I to lead this amazing group of people. We love you guys so much, and we're excited about the word. We're going to continue with our series, um, The Word of Life, and today's word is meditate. Before we get into that, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people and minister your word. Father, I ask that you pour out your spirit now in the name of Jesus. God, just saturate us with your anointing. Father, even though we're in different places and different cities and different states, Father, there is no distance in prayer. And you have connected us all by your Holy Spirit, Father. So, Father, collectively we come to you today. We offer up a sacrifice of praise. We offer up our attention, Father. We just ask that you do what you do in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, any who's in need of healing, God, we pray for healing for them now in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for peace of mind for those who are dealing with stress, anxiety, and depression. Father, we ask for financial increase for those who need that. Father, we pray blessed marriages and blessed families, God. Father, we just believe your whole word and we receive it for our lives right now. Father, we lift up our senior pastor. We ask that you continue to double him in everything good and godly, Father. Father, increase the anointing on his life that he can do all that you've called him to do. Father, I pray for the staff who are here now, God, the AV staff, Father, who pour out their lives for you, God. Father, I ask that you pour back into them 100-fold, Father. And God, I just thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I miss doing intercessory prayer in the sanctuary. We should just have like an intercessory prayer day. We just get on camera, go in the studio and just pray. And I can invite some of the intercessors to come and be in the studio with us. But I'm excited about the word today. So turn to Matthew. Don't go to Matthew. Go to Mark chapter 9. <laughs> go to Mark chapter 9. And today's word is meditate. And before I, I get too much into meditate, I have to first show you why it is important for you to meditate. And I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about clearing your mind. I'm not talking about any kind of Eastern religion practice. I'm talking about the biblical meditation that God talks about in his word. So let's start here, Mark chapter nine, and look at verse 23. And I'm gonna sum up what happens before verse 23 to get us here. So there's a father and he's in need of a miracle. And his son is sick and his son is uh, possessed and he's doing different things. And so the father goes to the disciples and asks the disciples if they could heal his son. And the disciples weren't able to do anything. So he's frustrated. The father's frustrated because you know how it is when you really need something in your life. You need something for your family. You need something for your children. You need something for your finances. And you ask this person to pray and nothing happens. And you ask this person to pray and nothing happens. And you ask somebody else to encourage you and nothing happens. And these are people who live by faith. These are faith giants or what you perceive to be a faith giant in your life. And you go to them and you're asking them to help you with your situation and nothing happens. So by the time he gets to Jesus, this father is frustrated. He's upset. He's afraid. He's scared. He's angry. He feels like he's running out of time. He has all these emotions that come with being disappointed over and over again. How many of you have been there before where you've done all that you knew how to do and you talked to all the right people or who you thought were the right people and you went to all the meetings and you took all the classes and you went to all the seminars and you did all the applications and you did everything that you knew to do and still nothing was happening. And so this father, he finally gets to Jesus and he asks Jesus, can you do anything? 
Now, by now, he knows that Jesus is the son of God. He knows that he's a Messiah. He's heard about Jesus healing. He's heard about Jesus delivering. He's heard about all the great things Jesus does. But because of his frustration, because of everything that he had been going through, he gets in front of almighty God and asks him, can you do anything? He's now questioning Jesus's ability to do what he needs to be done in his life. He needs a miracle for his son. His son is throwing himself in the fire and then throwing himself in the water. And he's concerned about the safety of his son. And so he goes to God and he says, God, can you do anything? Have you ever been in a situation where you go and you ask almighty God, do you have the capacity do you have the ability to do anything? Now, if you're honest, most of you are saying, yep, Pastor Vita, been there before. Because in our calm, logical state, we know that God can do all things. But in our state of frustration, in our state of disappointment, in our state of anger, in our state of fear, sometimes we can get to the point where we question if God can do something. And Jesus' answer, I love how Jesus answers him in verse uh, 23 of Mark chapter 9. He says, Jesus said unto him, if thou can believe anything, all things are possible to him that believes. And so the man in his frustration is like, God, can you do anything? And Jesus says, hey, can you believe anything? His ability to move in the man's life, his ability to work a miracle for his son, his ability to heal wasn't about Jesus' ability. It was about the man's ability to believe. And so some of the areas of your life that you've been believing God to move forward, it's not that God can't do it. It's not even that God won't do it. But God is questioning and he's saying, do you have the ability to believe it? I can do anything. All things are possible to those that do what? Believe. And so now God is questioning his believer. And so then in verse 24, it says, in straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And so the father is saying, God, in my frustration, I questioned you. God, in my anger, I questioned you. God, in my disappointment, I questioned you. Yeah, I believe, but there are these other real entities in my life that's robbing me of the ability to be totally convinced because I tried this before and it didn't work. I talked to this person before and that didn't work. I took this medication before and it only worked for a little while. I tried this diet and it only worked for a little while. I went to another job and that didn't work out. I tried being kind and that didn't work out. I tried not being sarcastic and that didn't work out. And so, yeah, I believe, I know I can pick up this word and I know what your word says and I know what Pastor Vita said. I know what Pastor Russell said. And I know what my study group leader said and I know, but God, I still have this reason that there's something on the inside of me that's causing me to not believe. So God, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so there's some things that you may be asking God to move forward in your life that you've been asking him for the last year, for the last two years, for the last two weeks. And you're getting to the point where what's the point? But God is putting the ball back in your court and he's challenging you to up your believer. That is not that you're going to talk to somebody else and they're going to fix it. You're not going to get somebody else to pray for you and that's going to fix it. He needs you to come to him just as you are. Come to him and your unbelief. Come to him with your doubt and bring all of that honestly to the throne room of God. Bring all of that honestly to your prayer life and say, God, I believe that you can heal. I believe that you can deliver. I believe that you can increase my business. I believe that you can work this miracle, but God, there's some things that's hindering my unbelief. And then um, in verse 25, it says, when Jesus saw that, oh, okay. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit saying to him, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. So Jesus in verse 25 heals the man's son. He heals the man's son. So in between verse 24 and 25, there had to be some ministry that took place that got him to the point of believing because the Bible says that the just shall live by faith or we, we live based on what we believe that without faith, it's impossible to please God or we have to be able to believe in order to please God. Everything for us as believers hinges on what we believe. So now my question this morning is, what do you believe? 
Now, I know that you believe Jesus is Lord. Okay. I know that you believe that God is able. Okay. I know that you believe that. And just because I do this every time I preach, because I'm preaching to me, not to you in this particular moment. I know that you believe that five Orioles are not good for you, but Lord, help your unbelief because you still eat five Oreos and a cup of milk and a bowl of ice cream. So your life is a product of what you believe. And if you can just imagine the frustration of this guy and then the relief for this guy, that he serves a God that's so caring and so compassionate and so powerful that when he says his truth, when he's honest with God, I believe, but I really don't believe that God doesn't condemn him, that God doesn't belittle him, that God simply ministers to him to get him to the point of believing. And that's where our word of life comes in today. Meditation or to meditate. To meditate means to think deeply to ponder, to dissect, to accept something as true, to think about it so much until that thought totally overtakes you. And you've had some negative thoughts overtake you before. You know, you, <laughs> you've meditated before. Let me give you an example. If you know that you're going to have a confrontation with somebody, you practice the confrontation before you get there. You meditate on what you're going to say. And if he says this, then I'm going to say that. And if she say that, then I'm going to say this. And if they do that, I'm going to bring up from the past what happened with that, what happened with that, what happened with that. You've meditated on past situations. I can't believe that when he said that, that I didn't say this. I can't believe that when they did that, I didn't do this. What I should have done was that or what I should have done was this. You meditate on when somebody did you wrong, and then you use that as an excuse to not allow somebody new to come into your life. No, because the last time I trusted somebody, it didn't work out, and so now I'm going to judge everybody through the filter of how that person did me wrong. You meditate on it so much, and now you believe that everybody's jealous of you, or everybody's out to get you, or everybody's going to hurt you. You can't trust people because you've meditated so much on that one person who did you wrong instead of praying for that person and praying for God to heal the broken pieces of you that that person caused you now attach that meditation to every other relationship that you have in your life you attach that fear you attach all of those things because you've been meditating on it you've been meditating on what if you've been meditating on I wish somebody would you've been meditating on I'm not going for that You've been meditating on those things. And as a result, it has affected your believer. You now believe that when you walk into a room, you have to come in a defensive stance because nobody's going to get over on me. You don't have the ability to allow God to be your defense or to allow God to be your defender because you've been meditating so much on needing to defend yourself. Okay, I'm not going to talk about y'all no more. We're going to look at some more Bible. Okay, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1. Well, first, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 11, because I want to show you how powerful meditation is. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy first, because I want to talk about Joshua. But if you look at the beginning of Joshua 1, he keeps reminding him of some of the things that he, meaning God, is reminding Joshua of some of the things that he said to Moses first. And he's giving him a picture of how good he's going to be to Joshua based on how he was good to Moses. So if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 11 and look at verse 8, it says, Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land whither you go to possess it. Now he's telling the people of God, be strong and go in and possess the land that I have commanded you to possess. Be strong, go in and possess the land that I have commanded you to possess. Be strong, go in and possess the land. If you're taking notes, write that down. Be strong, go in and possess the land because there are some things that God has put in your heart to go in and possess. He's told you to go buy a new house. He's told you to buy a new car. He's told you to start a business. He's told you to apply for the promotion. He's told you to open up your heart to a new relationship. He's told you to start a ministry. He's told you to do these things. But the part that he's saying in the beginning is be strong and then go in 
and them possess the land that I command you. Now he commanded it. So if it was just as easy as God speaking something and it happening, he wouldn't have to tell them to be strong and go in. He would just say, like he did in the beginning, let there be light and then there would be light. He could just say, let you possess something and then it would just fall into your lap. But there's a part that we have to play as believers where we have to be willing to believe something. And here we're learning and putting something together that it takes strength to be able to believe. Believing isn't easy when you're being asked to believe something that's contrary to your experience, that's contrary to your exposure, that's contrary to the current knowledge that you have. It takes some effort to believe that. You know, you hear somebody say something on television, you say, I don't believe that. You know why? Because it's foreign. I've never heard that before. No, I don't believe that. So here he's saying to the people of God, you've seen me deliver you from Egypt. You've seen the parting of the Red Sea. You've seen all that. You know that I fed you in the wilderness. You know that I allowed manna to come from heaven. You know who I am. You know that I'm God, but I still need you to be strong enough to believe for this new thing because this is going to not be an easy thing for you to do. It's going to take you to believe every step of the way. But if you are able to be strong and believe, you will be able to possess the land. And then stay in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and go to verse 25. I love this verse. And it says, there shall no man be able to stand before you. You guys remember that from Joshua 1? We haven't looked at Joshua 1 yet, but y'all are Bible scholars. And we're going to see that again in Joshua 1 and 5. There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord God shall cause lay. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he has said unto you. I'm going to read that again. There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon. So he's saying no man will be able to stand before you because God is going to cause men to not to fear him, but to fear you. He's going to allow your name and your reputation to be so powerful that people are going to fear you and not fear you as in, oh, I'm afraid they're going to hurt me, but to have a reverence for the anointing of your life, to have a respect for your, for your intellect, to have a, a respect for your expertise. He says they're going to cause people to dread you. When you go to the bank, there's going to be something about you, anointing on you that the bankers are going to know, oh, we need to tell them yes. We need to approve this mortgage and we don't physically go to the bank to get mortgages anymore. But you guys understand what I'm saying. God said that he will cause your name to be so powerful that as you're going in to possess the land and people hear that you're coming, that there's a fear and there's a dread that's going to come out for those who are able to do what? Believe. And so I need for you to see the urgency and your ability to believe. I see that for you to see the power and your belief. I want you to see that how your ability to believe coupled with the commandments and promises of God can open up the world to you that nobody will be able to stop you. Nothing will be able to stop you that you'll be able to go in and possess the land that God has said that you can have. So now flip over to Joshua. It's just one verse over. And we're going to look at Joshua 1. I went all the way to Joshua 19, but that's not where I want to be. Okay, Joshua 1. Look at verse 5. First of the, at verse 1 and 2, God says to Joshua, Moses is dead. And we're, I'm sorry that you lost your spiritual dad. But I'm your heavenly father. You're going to be okay. I need you to be strong. I need you to do everything that we said you're supposed to do. You're still going to go in and possess the land. You're still going to go in and you're going to do everything that I said you can do. Even though the person or the people that you thought were going to be with you when you got to that place of victory, you thought it was going to be a bigger crowd. You thought that one particular person was going to be there. That person has fallen off for one reason or another. But that's okay, Joshua. I'm your father. I'm still here. The promises that I made for you still stand. No man can stand before you. You can do this. Your success was not hinged to that person. Your success was hinged to your ability to believe me as God. So Moses is gone, but you're going to still be successful. You're still going to be able to move forward because I created you that way. So in verse five, he says, 
There shall no man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. So this is the same thing that God said to Moses in Deuteronomy, that no man can stand before you. Nobody can stop you. If you're taking notes, write that down. You're creating a list of things to meditate on that you need to believe in order to move to the next step in life, in order for you to possess what God has for you. No man can stop you. It doesn't matter that your admin person doesn't do something. It doesn't matter if your spouse doesn't do something. It doesn't matter if your supervisor, your manager, the company owner or whoever doesn't do what they're supposed to do. If God said you can possess the land, no man can stand before you. All you have to be able to do is believe. And so God is saying now, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Now look at um, verse six. It says, be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall thou devout for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. He's saying, be strong, be strong, be strong. But he's not talking about being physically strong. He's not talking about, okay, Joshua, get down, do some push-ups, give me some sit-ups, do some lunges and some squats, and now do some suicides and run to it. No, he's not talking about that. He's saying be strong and your ability to believe. Be mentally strong. Be able to believe something because, again, believing can be hard when everything around you is contrary to what God is saying to you, when everything around you is screaming poverty, but God is saying prosperity. When everything around you is screaming divorce, but God is saying what I have put together, let no man put asunder. Where everything around you is saying sickness and God said that by his stripes, you are healed. He said, be strong enough to believe that. Fight off anything that will stop you from believing that. And then he keeps going. Verse seven says, only be thou Oh, first off, only be thou very strong and very courageous. Be very strong and very courageous. Believing requires you to have the courage to speak out against everything that you're singing. That when everything else is saying poverty, that you're saying, I'm prosperous. When everything is saying, I'm sick, you're saying, I'm healed. When everything else is saying divorce is pending, you're saying, we're going to be just fine. You have to be strong, mentally strong. You have to be courageous enough to defeat or rebel or just reject anything that's coming against what you and God have decided was going to be the path for your life. Verse seven, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, command thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left that thou may prosper wherever soever thy go. So now we're getting to the law or the, the Bible that they had at the time. It's all they had was the books of the law at that time. He's saying, be strong, be courageous, and then observe to do the word so that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse eight says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. So he doesn't say, I need to say something else over you. He doesn't say, I need to proclaim something else over you. He doesn't say, I need to move a mountain. He doesn't say, I need to do anything. What God is saying that in order for you and I to experience good success is hinged to our ability to believe the word. And how do we increase our ability? By meditating. Meditating is the mental exercise that we do to condition our minds to believe. It's like if you want to have a good, strong core, you cannot get a good core by sitting on the sofa with the remote control in your hand, flipping through videos of people working out. <laughs> I, used to, I used to say I had this girlfriend and she and I would get together once a week to work out. And sometimes she would come to my house and then sometimes I would go to her house and we would say, yeah, let's do the hip hop exercise. Yeah, let's do the, the deep stretching. Yeah, let's do the, the Zumba. And without fail, we would put the video on. We would do the video for like 10 minutes and then sit down on the sofa and watch the rest of the video. Guess what? Neither one of us had. 
a strong core. Guess what neither one of us had? Defined thighs. Guess what neither one of us had? Defined arms. Why? Because we started out good. We, we started out strong, but we would stop. And so he's saying, be mentally strong, be courageous, because in order to get that core, you're going to have to do the exercise. You're going to have, I'm pretending like I'm doing some squats if y'all figured out what this is. <laughs> you're going to have to do the exercise. And so the meditation is the mental exercises that conditions your mind to be able to believe. Meditation conditions your mind to think the way you want it to think versus how society or your environment or your experience or your exposure is trying to tell you you should think. You can have a conversation with God and God can say something to you and you can look around and say, I don't see any of what God is saying, but I'm going to be strong and courageous and I'm going to deep Think, think deeply about this until that thought just totally overtakes me. And that's what meditation is, that you continue to think deeply about something. You pour over it. You go over it until it becomes a part of who you are. And meditation requires focus. It requires you to begin with the word of God and to end with the word of God. So I asked you to write down a couple of scriptures. If you go back to any of those scriptures, I'm just going to use um, Joshua 1 and 5, where it says, there shall no man stand before me all the days of my life. And in the word, it says thee and thy. I'm going to make it personal. There shall not any man stand before me all the days of my life. There shall not any man stand before me all the days of my life. Now, when I first start saying that, the first thing I, that comes to my mind is all the people who are going to try to stop me. But I got to keep meditating. No, there shall not any man. No, not my ex. There shall not any man. Nope, not my sister. There shall not any man. Nope, not the president. There shall not any man. Nope, not the government. There shall not any man. I have to pull down those strongholds, pull down anything that would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And then once I get past, there shall not any man. And then I move on, be able to stand before me. Nobody can stop me. Nobody can block my way. Well, no, nope, not. Okay. They have a, a a more advanced degree than me, but they still can't stop me. They have more money. No, they still can't stop me. They know more people. No, they still can't stop me. They know. So you go through and you break it down all the days of my life. Not while I'm young, not while I have a lot of agility, not, no, all the days of my life. As long as I'm still breathing, there is not any man who can stand before me all the days of my life. Now, the first time you see that scripture, you start thinking about it, the whole time you're meditating, basically you're pulling down strongholds. You're pulling down the negative thoughts. But the more time you spend with that verse, the more you pour over it, you write it down. And then you write it again. And then you write it again. And then you type it into the note section on your phone. Then you type it into the note section of your tablet. And then you set a timer on your phone and you label that timer Joshua 1 and 5. And then every uh, every couple hours out the day, that timer goes off and you look at Joshua 1 and 5. And you think about it when you're laying in the bed at night. And you think about it while you're in the shower in the morning. And you think about it while you're driving. And you think about it. And then all of a sudden... Over a period of time, that verse becomes a staple of who you are. It becomes a core value that you can walk into any room and you don't care what titles are in the room. You don't care what experience is in the room. You don't care what connections are already in the room that exclude you. You walk into that room knowing I am the anointed of God. I'm going in to possess the land that God told me to possess according to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And based on Joshua 1, nobody in this room can stand before me. Nobody can tell me I can't have this job. Nobody can tell me I can't buy this house. Nobody can tell me that I can't sell the book that I wrote. Nobody can tell me that I can't buy the house because my God said that I can could go in and possess the land. And then Jesus said, if I could believe anything, all things are possible to them that believe. And I've been strong and I've been courageous and I have conditioned my mind. I've been exercising my mind to believe by meditating on this word. And that is how we meditate as believers. We take the word of God and we just pour over it 
and we dissect it and we study it and we memorize it and we say it and we think about it and we think about it and we say it and we pray it and we write it and we type it and we listen to it and we say it and it sounds methodical, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like you're being methodical. It sounds like you're being responsible for what God told you to be. It sounds like you're doing some other words of life and it all comes together to position you and empower you to go in and possess the land that God said you could have. But you have to be willing to what? You have to be willing to believe. Look at verse nine. It says, have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thy goeth. Now he hasn't talked to Joshua about a military strategy he hasn't talked to Joshua about giving. He hasn't talked to Joshua about worship. He hasn't talked to Joshua about praying. He hasn't talked to him yet about gathering up the military and deciding who was going to fight with him and who he should leave behind. He hasn't talked to Joshua yet about anything but his mental strength. Because God was teaching us a very vital lesson that any battle that we need to win in life, any victory that we need to go and get for the kingdom, any increase we need to get for our family or for ourselves is going to begin with our mental strength and our ability to believe. And the way that we condition our minds and exercise our minds to be able to believe is by meditating on the word. Okay, look at um, Psalms chapter 1. I pray that this is blessing y'all. I'm a believer. I believe that it is blessing you. Praise God. Psalms chapter one. It says, blessed is the man or the woman that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, does he meditate day and night? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Now in verse two, it says, but his delight is in the word of God. And in that word, does he meditate or deep thinkly, deep thinkly <laughs> or Think deeply, <laughs> think deeply day and night that he conditions his believer, that he conditions his mind, that he does the exercise of conditioning his mind and his believer by meditating or thinking deeply about the word of God day and night. This sounds like Joshua. This sounds like Moses. This sounds like Mark chapter nine with the father who wanted Jesus to do something for him. He comes to Jesus, Jesus can do anything. Jesus says, can you believe anything? What have you been meditating on that you are fully convinced that God can do it? Not that you heard about it, not that you know it exists in the Bible. Knowing is just part of it. I think G.I. Joe taught us that. Knowing is just half the battle. But you know it to the point that you believe that it is for you. Now, that's where you're trying to get to beyond just knowing something. But you know that you believe that it is available for you, that you can have a Deuteronomy 11 experience and hear God say, be strong, go in, possess it. Nobody can stand before you. I will cause fear and reverence to come out around your name because you are my anointed. Do you really believe that? And so you got to meditate on the word day and night to get to that place. And then after you do that, look what happens. Verse three, it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And we know that that's, um, uh, imagery of the church, plant it in the church, plant it in the place that you're consistently being fed the word of God, that you're consistently tuning in on Sunday, you're doing study group, you're praying and worshiping and journaling and studying the word on your own because your relationship with God is personal, but God has put a system in place called the local church to help facilitate the growth of that relationship that he brings forth fruit in his season. 
So the person who meditates in the word day and night, according to verse two and verse three, it says that they bring forth fruit in their season. Their leaves shall not wither and whatsoever they do shall prosper. So everything you do prospers, your leaf doesn't wither. You're like an evergreen tree that no matter what season you're in, you look good. You ever know people like that? They look good all year long. They never look like they're having highs and lows and things like that. Whatever season you're in, your leaf is not like these trees I have in my backyard that start going bare in October and not even waiting to November. No, those trees, they're tired little trees. These are trees that look good all the time. It doesn't matter if you're making six figures, doesn't matter if you're making four figures, you look good because you prosper no matter where you go. God will cause a raven to come and feed you. He'll raise up a widow woman who's depressed and suicidal to take care of you. And then you'll turn around and bless her. He'll cause a fish to open open its mouth and have money in it to pay your taxes. That's what happens to people who meditate. That's what happens to people who believe. Do you know people who can only hold a job half the year, but they always eat good. They always travel. They always have new clothes. You're like, how in the world are they doing that? Check their believer check their meditation because we're thinking sometimes, well, if I work really hard and if I do more than everybody else, that I'll have more in life. Well, working hard and having a good work ethic is a requirement of the anointed. The having the anointing does not replace having a good work ethic. And you do not have a biblical right to be lazy. You do not have a biblical right to not have good work ethic, but work ethic doesn't replace believing. It doesn't replace meditation. And when you put all those things together, there's nothing that can stop you and you will look good all the time. Now look at verse four. It says, but the ungodly are not so, but are like a chaff, which the wind drives away. So the ungodly, the people who haven't taken the time to develop their mind, to believe the word of God, they're like the chaff, the wind blows. But you know, people who every time the wind blows, they're over here. Oh, I thought you were doing that. Oh no, now you're doing that. Oh, now you're doing that. Why? Because they're not planted by the rivers of water. They're not bringing forth fruit in their season because they haven't trained their mind to be able to meditate day and night, to absorb the word and to do the word. Now look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And I think this is going to be our last verse for today. Oh, Hebrews chapter 12, <laughs> verse two. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your mind. So here the Bible is being very clear that there is the ability to faint in your mind. Your body can be strong, your money can be good, your relationships can be good, your job is secure, your car is paid off. But if you faint in your mind, it's saying, look into Jesus who had all these contradictions coming against him. Uh, he sinned, but yet he had to bear all of sin. He never hurt anyone, but yet he was hurt by humanity. I mean, all these contradictions that he has in his life, but yet for the joy that was set before him, because he knew that he was supposed to go and possess the land. Everything in his environment was contradictory to what the conversation that he and God had. And he had to push through all of that. He had to push through all of that with joy and to get to what God had for him. And so there's the Bible was saying here, consider Jesus. When you think you're tired, consider Jesus. When you think it's unfair, consider Jesus. When you're getting frustrated, consider Jesus. When you're getting upset, when you're getting angry, he went through all of that to be an example for us so that we wouldn't become weary and faint in our minds. Your body could be strong, but unless your mind is conditioned to believe the word of God, unless your mind is conditioned by meditating on the word day and night, day and night, there are going to be some things, some possessions that you're not going to be able to go and take possession of because you have not conditioned yourself to meditate. And so church, we're going to be a group of people, a tribe of people, a community that meditates on the word. And I'm not encouraging you to memorize the whole Bible. Memorization and meditation is not the same thing. I have a whole bunch of stuff memorized that I don't need to meditate on. 
let's start with the music I know, the lyrics, <laughs> some of the music I know from the 1980s and 90s. We, um, Pastor Russell and I hear some songs now that we were singing, we were kids. We were like, in no way in the world, I should have been singing that as a 10 year old. Uh, let's, I don't know, Rick James, Grace Jones, <laughs> all this stuff. just being real, you know. Now, if you ask me to tell you the lyrics to those songs, I could spew them out with no problem because I have those song lyrics. I, met, I didn't meditate on them. I have them memorized because I heard them over and over again, but I never received them as the truth for my life. I never believed in the lyrics of those songs. They were simply entertainment. So there are some believers who memorize the word, they can quote Psalms 1 for you. They can quote Psalms 23. They can quote Psalms 150. They can quote, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. They can quote all those things, but it's for entertainment purposes only. So memorizing the word and meditating on the word is not the same thing. Meditating on the word is conditioning your mind to receive it as truth. So when you go to God and ask God, can you bless my marriage? And he says, can you believe that I can bless your marriage? And you can say, God, I already believe. I believe before I got here to ask you. And then he'll say, all things are possible to them that believe. It's so that when you have financial problems, you've meditated over Malachi enough that you changed your behavior to become a tither. You know you live under open heaven. And when God, you go to God and say, God, I need more money for this, or God, my family needs this, or God, I just want to be a blessing to my family. We don't need anything else, God. We just want to do better. We want to be able to be blessed, to be a blessing to others. We want to be a philanthropist. I desire to be a philanthropist in my own life. It's one of my, my greatest goals in life. I want to be able to write big checks to people and not for any credit other than to give God credit. And God says, do you believe? And I say, yeah, God, I believe. And he says, fine, you live under open heaven. I'm going to pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. Why does God want to pour out blessings that you don't have room enough to receive? Because he wants you to be philanthropic and give it to someone else. He's not going to overload you with something you don't need. So when you don't have room enough to receive it, it's for you to give it to somebody else. That's where I want to be. And so I meditate on that all the time. I don't have room enough to receive everything that God has for me. So now where can I go and be a blessing? Who can I give this to? Who can I bless with this? Who can I write a check to? Whose rent can I pay? Whose car can I buy? Who's this? Who's that? Who's that? I remember the first time that I was able to give a car away. I was so excited. And when I mean give it away, I mean it was paid for. I paid for the transfer of the title and everything because I didn't have room for that car anymore. And I'm just bragging on God. And the person who received it was so grateful. And it wasn't like, well, now you owe me. I didn't care what they did with the car. They could have sold it. I, I didn't care. My job was to give it, not for them to then be bound to me in some kind of way because I had lived and I had meditated on Malachi 3. When I was believing God for my children, and you guys, if you don't know my testimony, I'll share it another time. I had to to really believe God for my children. When I was believing God to get pregnant with Joseph, one day I just got up and I went to Babies R Us and I started shopping for a child I wasn't even pregnant with. And I remember my aunt was with me and she was singing and worshiping the whole time in the store because she thought I was crazy. She was praying for me like, Lord, don't let this poor child, who this poor childless child, <laughs> lose her mind in the store. But no, I had meditated on the word where the Bible says that he would make my quiver full and that he would not leave me barren and that I would not cast my fruit before it's time and that he would give me desires of my heart and I meditated that on that word so much that I started shopping for a child that I wasn't even pregnant with that by the time I got pregnant with him his nursery was totally finished except for the crib he had a full closet full of clothes we had diapers we didn't have formula but we had a playpen and we had a car seat we had everything but a crib because i believed god i was going to go in and i was going to possess that land because i had meditated on the word every house that we purchased we knew that we were approved before we asked anybody because god said we could have it and we meditated on that word what can you be fully convinced of if you would just spend some time meditating on the word. 
So you won't faint in your mind. Then when there's great contradictions around you, you won't faint. You'll stand in faith. You'll stand before God and say, God, I know you can do this because your word says, and God said, bring me in remember." Bring me in remembrance of my word. God, remember when you said that you would cause men to fear me. Remember when you said no man could stand before me. Remember when you said you would allow me to live under open heaven. Remember when you said you would cause it to rain. Remember, God, you said that Jesus went into the city and he healed every sickness and every disease. God, heal my body in the name of Jesus. I'm so convinced that you're a healer. I don't care what the doctor says. God, I'm so convinced. That comes from meditating on the word. So your homework is to take a verse, not a passage. Take a verse. Pick your favorite one. Pick anyone. Write it down. Write it down again. Write it down again. Say it to yourself. Say it to yourself again. And this is not all for you to do right now, but throughout this whole week, take out your phone. If you have a smartphone, there's a voice recorder on there. Record yourself saying it. Play it back to yourself. Set an alarm on your phone. Every other hour, every three hours, however long, however often you want to do it. And in the notes section of the alarm, where you can put what the alarm is for, put Joshua 1 and 8. Put Psalms 1 and 1. Put, you know, whatever promise you're believing God for. And then when that alarm goes off, you see it and you just sit and you meditate on it. And you want to get to the point where you have one minute of uninterrupted thought of just about that scripture. And if you're in that one minute and your thought gets interrupted, you arrest that thought, you pull down that stronghold and you go right back to thinking about that scripture. Then you want to build up to two minutes. You want to build up to three minutes. And then you want to build up to having the ability to allow that thought, that scripture, that verse from God to totally saturate your mind. You want to build that muscle in your mind, build that believer in your mind. So wherever you go, you'll prosper. No matter what season you'll prosper, your leaf will never wither because you've made that muscle in your mind about that particular thing, a permanence for you. And you believe meditation increases your believing. I'm meditating on your success. I'm meditating that everyone connected with this church in any way is successful spiritually, intellectually, physically, socially, and financially. I'm believing God and meditating on your marriages being blessed, on your children being blessed. I'm speaking life over the mental health of your children as they prepare to do virtual learning in the fall. I'm speaking life over your mental health as you prepare your children for that. I'm speaking that you have provision in every area of your life and I have word to go along with it and I'm meditating on the word that goes along with it so that when I go to God and pray, God, can you bless sister so-and-so and God says, can you believe anything? I said, oh, God, I already believe. I believe based on this verse. I believe based on this example. I believe based on this testimony. And so we're going to break out of a box in this season. We're going to go in and we're going to possess the land because we're going to be people who have good success because we meditate on the word. I pray that the word encourage you today that you're motivated to go and meditate on the word. Listen, I want you to be word people. We have to have a relationship with this word because when all else fails, the word is infallible. The word is not corruptible. It will never ever fail us you can hold on you can't hold on to anything more precious than this word of god and i want you to do that we want to raise up a group of people a body of believers who not only know the word who not only have it memorized but have received it as the truth for their life and they meditate on that more than anything else i want you to be proficient and meditating so that you can have good success Pastor Russell and I love you, but God loves you more. And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everything I just said, no matter how good or exciting it may have sounded to you, all of it has a prerequisite for you to be a part of the kingdom of God. And that you do that is so simple. All you have to do is believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You don't have to stop or start doing anything. God never asks us to be perfect. He only asks us to be faithful. And our faithfulness be begins with us believing that Jesus died on the cross for us, that 
thousands of years ago before we committed a single offense towards God that God put a system in place to cover us from that and all you have to do is believe and receive that just receive that right now Jesus died on the cross for me and if I believe that I can be a part of the kingdom of God and I, we want you to put it right there I believe that I believe that I believe that and once you believe you need to get connected with an amazing word teaching church like Flow Church Flow Church is a global camp. We have a global campus where you can be a part of this church as long as you can have internet, as long as you can have Wi-Fi. You can serve in ministry. You can join a Bible study group. We have them every day of the week except for Friday. You can serve in ministry. You can join ministry departments. You can be a part of the prayer call. You can make friends. You can make connections. There is a way to be involved no matter where you are. So I'm not going to tell you to go find a church. I'm saying this is the church. <laughs> this is the church for you to join. Our senior pastor is a man of of integrity he's a man of God he teaches us the Word of God he loves us enough to tell us the truth and then I have the the privilege and the pleasure of serving with him as your co-pastor and your first lady I'm gonna always be an example of godliness before you that doesn't mean that I'm gonna always be perfect it means that I'm gonna be able to point you towards perfection in the Word of God we want you to do that we want you to receive Holy Spirit on the inside of you Holy Spirit comes in and produces the fruit of spirit in your life love joy peace patience and if you're a part of children's ministry you know all that because we're studying that now with children's ministry we want you to join a study group again they meet every day of the week except for i'm sorry except for sunday and friday and there are some days that there's multiple study groups so we want you to get into a study group so that you can study the word of god in the book of Acts, it says that the Bereans, who were a group of people, they were more noble than any other group because they would go home and study the scriptures to see if it be so. We want you to take us at face value, and we're going to always minister the word to you, but more than anything, we want you to be fully convinced because you saw it for yourself in the word, and then you shared it with your, you talked it through with your co-laborers in the Lord. You talked it through with your spiritual family. And so join the study group so that you can study the word and be a student of the word of God. Um, that leads me into the podcast, Study If I Thrive, is the podcast we have for women Flow Church has a podcast. All the Sunday services are available on podcasts. We have a podcast that you can listen to this over and over again. And then we want you to be a giver. God finances the kingdom through you. He blesses you to be a blessing. And it begins with your tithe, which is 10% of your income. And then he wants you to also have an offering. We want you to give today. There are multiple ways for you to give. You can give via text. You can give via cash app. You can give on our website. You can give with PayPal. And our hosts are putting all that information on the screen right now. But that's what we do. We're believers. We're kingdom people. Kingdom people study the word. Kingdom people serve in ministry. Kingdom people give. And you do it at different levels based on your ability. But you do it from a sincere heart because you love God. It's our thank you to God. It's our desire to be closer to the king. And so we love you so very much. We thank God for you. Um, we'll see you soon. If you have little ones, join us right back here at 1130 for Children's Church. Have a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.